The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to a rankings debate. Cup versus Jefferson versus Chase. I know Cup's going to be number one for most people, but let's talk it out. Let's also talk about the dynasty tight ends. And are George Kittle and Darren Waller getting a little bit old? Should we be concerned about that? And, of course, your emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That's the letter I, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Apple Podcast questions, YouTube questions. It is Thursday. We are ready to talk some fantasy football. I'm Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg and Heath Cummings. Heath, give us your quick report of going to your first Celtics game. Uh, I know it was a disappointing outcome. It was a very strange third quarter, but how was it? How was it your first Celtics game ever on Tuesday? It was it was a lot of fun. The Heat fans were almost universally really uh, kind, and we had good fun razzing each other. There was a chant um, on the way out that was uh, a little obscene, but it, it was fine. The, the worst fan there was another Celtics fan that was sitting right next to us. <laughs> um, hopefully he didn't know who I am. That would be mean now. Um, but no, it, it was very good. The thing I was shocked by, because um, I thought I got a pretty good deal on tickets. Um, there's a, a local ticket service that, that I use and Dave uses, and they sent me an email like the day before or two days before. You can get in the door for 120 bucks for an Eastern Conference final playoff game. I thought that was awesome. And like after the Celtics won, the tickets went up to almost 200 Right before the game, you could walk up to the gate and because you can buy all tickets like through at the stadium because all the Ticketmaster resale stuff you could buy tickets for 80 bucks to get into a, a an nba playoff game right before the game i was surprised by that yeah man i mean i was looking at ticket prices just go on SeatGeek. geek you know, they used to sponsor us they're not, this isn't a sponsorship anymore <clears throat> but like it's 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 very cheap it's it, tonight oh 157 dollars tonight 237 for the for game three in Boston. All right, anyway, uh, it's, it's good to be a South Florida sports fan. Much cheaper seats than a Boston sports fan. <laughs> Are uh, you going to the Panthers? Are you going to fly down? I would love to go to that super spreader, but no, I will not be able to. Um, anyway, yeah, big Panthers game tonight, big Heat game tonight, big night for South Florida. They're playing tonight, right, the Heat game two? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about our wide receivers. But before we do that, we got a great email from Cooper. Cooper, every once in a while. Cooper, Cooper James, or Cooper Doug, Amari as Cooper? I used to call him. Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup. His first name is Cooper. He's a loyal listener. And Cooper wrote an amazing email about Rashad Penny. This guy, there should be a song about Cooper stats because Cooper comes up with the best statistic. He says, we're too low on Rashad Penny. And every time, he's, he pointed out, that Rashad Penny has had seven games in his career with 12 or more carries. And in Six of those seven games, he's rushed for 100 or more yards, 108 or more yards. In those seven games, he's averaged 7.7 yards per carry. 
and he's been on pace for 2,300 rushing yards and 22 touchdowns based on seven games. Every time he's had 12 or more carries, he has come through with a really big game. So we are going to talk about Rashad Penny later, but a little hat tip to Cooper for having the best stat of the show, and that's in our mailbag section He's played seven games in his career? Yeah. With 12 or more carries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Basically, but 12 or more carries, uh, and he's come through every time. He's the the, the Will Fuller of running backs. Maybe. I wouldn't disrespect Will Fuller like that. (laughs) You open your eyes. You read the Cooper email. Open your eyes to the greatness of Rashad Penny. He's great. He's he's great. Yeah. All right. Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson will probably be the first three wide receivers selected in your leagues, and Cup will likely be first. Yeah, not in our league. Last last time we did a draft, it was Devontae Adams second, but that was weird. Okay, how do you rank them? Let's start with that. We're gonna have a little little discussion here, not necessarily a debate, but a little discussion. How do you rank them, Heath? Uh, I've got it Cup and then Jefferson. I actually do have Adams just ahead of Jamar Chase. Oh, boo. Um, I, I have I, – I like there's been some some steam lately behind Justin Jefferson as the number one wide receiver, and I would really like to get behind that. I have those two very close, and then a, a little gap before anybody else. Okay. Jamie, how do you rank it? I have it Cup, Jefferson, Chase, but I also will have to think about – Cup versus Jefferson if Beckham is back and ready to go come week one in Los Angeles. Okay. Seems unlikely, right? Torn his ACL. Ready back or back and ready to go? Week one? Uh, it does seem unlikely. Okay. Who has the most upside, Cup, Chase, or Jefferson? It's hard not to say Cup, but <laughs> Jefferson is feels like he has this big season coming. <laughs> Oh, I, I like definitely. I feel like Jefferson and Chase are the answers that I want to make of having the most upside. I mean, Cup's a 29 year old wide receiver. He's not near as exciting as either one of those, but he just scored 25 fantasy points a game. I don't ha- how know how anybody could have more upside than that. Who has the, ho- the hope oh. would be is that Kevin O'Connell tries to replicate Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson. <laughs> you know, just he's always open. <laughs> And if that's the case, Justin Jefferson could be just a ridiculous monster. Who's got the most downside? Chase. Yeah, I guess you'd have to say Chase. Would you? Well, okay. Who would you say? Cup? Yeah, we're, just because... I assume we're talking non, non-injury downside. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I guess I'd say Cup just because, you know, look at the rest of his career. It's great. He's, oh, I am so glad you said that. It's really good. It's really good. I, but if he goes back to the rest of his career, you know, he might be like wide receiver eight. Well, is Jared Goff coming with him? And but, going Jared, back to but don't sell Jared Goff short because, you know, they actually had a very good passing offense in three of the last four years. Looking it's, forward to your teams with Jared Goff and Rashad Penny this season. <laughs> um, no, he's I, obviously I, I, I not I think Stafford, we need but. to be careful when talking about the rest of Cooper Cup's career because he had some injuries. Um, he had the weird touchdown season, but 2018, he played six full games and averaged 20.6 PPR fantasy points per game. 2019, he played 15 full games and averaged 17 PPR fantasy points per game. Mm-hmm. Like He did have the 2020 season where he only scored three touchdowns and only scored 13.8, but basically three of the last four years, he's been a top five wide receiver on a per game basis if you only count the games he plays when he's healthy. I don't know about I don't know about top five. I think two two of the last three years he has. I think 
four years ago. I have him at, at PPR per game. He was fi- he was fifteenth in half PPR. Eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think you're counting the game where he played. Le- yes. Yes. They he had a game where he played thirty eight percent of the wow, snaps. Wow. You didn't age that it because it worked no, in your favor. Look no, at that. No. No. I I guess I could do the math on that, but I doubt he was top five. <laughs> He when was the 15th. argument is in my favor, no, I'm not anti-Cooper I'm not this. I'm not anti Cooper Cup at all. I just think that if he goes back to what he was, you're right, Heath. I mean, very good, but I think it's it's lower. Than, but how is than he going Chase back Jefferson. to what he was when his quarterback is better? Uh, just because the target, just target share. I don't know. I mean, is he going to have a 31 percent target share again? What if it's 24 percent? Well, I mean, you know, we're we're excited to whatever degree about Allen Robinson resurrecting himself in Los Angeles and maybe the expectation of Odell Beckham by the middle of the season being what he was at least in that uh, campaign last year. But I mean, I would be shocked if his target share gets significantly less knowing what this receiving core looks like right now. Yeah. I, okay. The other uh, argument would be for most downside would be Jefferson because look at his splits with and without Adam Thielen last year. The last six games of the year, Adam Thielen barely played. He missed four games, and in the other two games, he played something like 29 combined snaps. In those- so are the games where he played 29% of the snaps, are those with Adam Thielen or without Adam Thielen? <laughs> no, no, no. Adam Thielen played 29 combined snaps in the last six games of the season. Okay. Okay. In those six games, Jefferson averaged 11.5, where is it? 11.5 targets per game. He averaged 8.9 targets per game before that. So I it really was it really I don't know if you remember, but Jefferson got off to a somewhat slow start. And then in the last eight nine games, really, it started a little bit before Thielen's injury. He just went crazy as they were. Well, I mean, the there more. there was some, you know, grumblings about not getting him the ball enough, and and that changed. I, I think the fact that you know, you you have this budding superstar. Um, if he's not a superstar already, um, by the way, my my ten year old will not stop doing the gritty everywhere he goes, and his seven year old brother's screaming at him, "Stop being Justin Jefferson." Um, <laughs> uh, I I think you just have to hope that you know this is the the third year quote unquote breakout, which he's not going to do statistically, but just he gets better as a as a player and as a receiver. And, you know, I, I do a lot of research on, on that year and it's usually a lot of factors. And in his case, it's more of an offensive mindset for this team. And I think if that happens, uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell bringing out the best of these guys, Justin Jefferson could easily be the number one receiver and he may be a record breaker this season. Well, yeah, he just had 1600 yards and 10 touchdowns. You think he does better than that? Probably the touchdowns would be what would boost him. Ten's good. It's not. It's not amazing. But that's the thing. Like Thielen takes those touchdowns, right? Thielen's a kind of a touchdown thief. Irv Smith is back. He's you know hopefully an upgrade at the tight end position. Um, KJ Osborne gets a bigger role. You know the, they love him there. Uh, you have you know the reports, which you know anybody wants to buy into that, go ahead. But the reports of Dalvin Cook playing, you know, lining up a wide receiver. You know his involvement in the passing game. There's a lot of things that can detract from you know Justin Jefferson's upside for sure, but. I don't know. I mean, it just—it's—it's hard to—it's hard not to look at what the the upside is. Also, I mean, I—I I, I think clearly we're nitpicking. You know, Heath has yeah, Jamar Chase fourth. You know, as the low guy. Um, <laughs> you know, any any downside that we're going to say is going to be you know trying to find flaws as opposed to obvious ones. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. We love all these guys. Uh, who's got the highest floor? Safest. Cup. Cup. Okay. What do you make of the fact that Cup just had this season that was kind of out of nowhere, but real? I mean, I guess it was really just targets, right? I mean, if you look at his numbers, his catch rate, his yards per target, yards per target was up, but his yards per catch, the big difference is just the targets, right, Heath? I mean, I don't, I don't really know. It's not like he had a season where he never performed quite like this on a per-target basis, but he, well, just, he did. just got so many. Like, I think if we can sometimes look at he was so good that, well, he can't be that good again. Well, he could lose 10% and still be better than everyone else. So it was a couple of things. One, he had a season where he stayed healthy all year long. Two, he had a season where he got more targets than he ever had. And he was slightly more efficient at the same time. Um, but I think like the touch, the 16 touchdowns on 191 targets, far less of an outlier for Cooper Cup's career than the three on 124 targets the year before. Yeah. His 10.2 yards per target was not a career high. He averaged 10.3 in 2018. Right. But it was a yard better than his career average. Um, his his yards per catch, not as good as his rookie year or his second year, slightly better than his career average. I think it was mostly just the huge volume and a little bit of, of an efficiency spike. Man, his postseason was ridiculous. His postseason numbers were, were even better than his regular season numbers. He was on pace for 2,031 yards and 26 touchdowns based on his four playoff games. Uh, amazing. I, I think the more interesting thing is like how close can I, cause I, it's easy. We can all see how Justin Jefferson could be a Cooper cup or almost Cooper cup. I don't know about chase. Why? He was a much different player than these two last year. I think he was pretty similar to Jefferson now. I mean, they're both like kind of higher a dot yard, you know, big yards per catch, not necessarily as many catches. That's the thing. I mean, are, they, are either Jefferson or chase, going to catch enough passes to be wide receiver one in full PPR. I think that it's a little bit like Tyree kill where he was better in non and half and had trouble in full PPR um, because his catch Jeff, Jefferson uh, unlike, got 108 passes last year. Yeah. In 17 games. Um, that's not typically going to be enough to be wide receiver one based on like some, like he's not Michael Thomas, Cooper cup, Devonte Adams. You know, you look at the last three number one wide receivers. They were a lot, better than that especially thomas and cup but if jefferson stays healthy 120 catches is certainly realistic yeah go ahead Heath. he was exactly the same no he was he was more but i, I he was 27 more catches than jamar chase yeah but chase had basically the same amount of catches as jefferson did in jefferson's rookie season i you could see chase taking a big step with catches but if if t higgins is not a top 15 wide receiver yeah Mm-hmm. Okay, well, but then at the same time, I mean, Adam Thielen was a top 15 wide think, receiver. Yeah, I think T. Higgins is a bigger threat to Chase than Thielen is to Jefferson. Well, there's also, I mean, you know, look, as much as K.J. Osborne could take a step forward, Tyler Boyd is still a, a pretty legitimate number three receiver and, and arguably might be the best number three receiver in the league. Um, you know, the, the, there's a change in tight end, you know, so there could be a, a shift in how maybe some of those touchdowns, those CJ Uzama fluke, fluky games, you know, where he had multiple touchdowns, you know, maybe one or two of those goes to Jamar Chase. It's also just the natural progression of going from year one to year two. You know, um, Zach Taylor talked about this, and, you know, I don't think we make enough of uh, 
not necessarily emphasis on it, but, you know, at least bringing it up that these guys in their rookie seasons, what they have to deal with, you know, from end of college until they actually get to training camp, you know, versus year one to year two, you know, when they go through a whole off season of, of actual work. And if the guys who are the legitimate, you know, workhorses, which I think Jamar Chase probably qualifies, um, he's probably been throwing with Joe Burrow in some capacity. He's probably been, you know, doing the right type of workout program and, you know, not necessarily worrying about his, um, his pro day or, you know, I don't know, I don't remember if you ran at the combine, but you know, those, those type of training processes that go through that these guys go through <laughs> finding a home, you know, uh, move to a new city, you know, all those things are, are, are not a problem for him anymore. So, um, you know, this is a big, big year for him. And I think we saw it as the season unfolded. You know, you mentioned Adam a lot about how Joe Burrow, when they decided to take the reins off of, off of him, you know, we saw a different Jamar Chase too in that stretch, you know, where he wasn't just a deep threat making big plays. You know, his, his catches went up, his, his routes changed a little bit. And, and that's going to, you know, hopefully develop as well. So there, there's a lot to like about where Jamar Chase is headed and he could easily be the best of this trio for sure. Yeah. I, yeah, go ahead. I, th- I think what I was trying to say, I'm like coming at it from a projection standpoint, Jefferson has been about as efficient as you would ever project any wide receiver, no matter how good they are to be. 6% touchdown rate, 10 yards per target. That's like Tyreek Hill territory. And maybe he'll be slightly better than that. But Chase was so much more efficient last year than even that. He had three more touchdowns on almost 30 fewer catches and averaged three yards per catch better. I think it's it's much more likely that Justin Jefferson matches what he did efficiency-wise than Chase did last year. He also took a year off of football, you know, so yeah. we, we don't know, like, where the ceiling is for this kid. Yeah. You know, now yeah, that yeah. he's... And he only had 128 targets, so you got to figure he's right. going to get more than that. I, I will say Chase. efficiency-wise, I'm relatively confident his rest of career ceiling is lower than what he did last year. He had six touchdowns of 42 or more yards, Jamar Chase. That's amazing. But I did... That's I, awesome. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know if you can count on that. He's going to need more targets. Uh, but he's obviously a big playmaker, you know, he's, he's, I think he's, do you think that Jamar Chase is basically the next Tyreek Hill? Big plays, not a ton of catches, but a ton of yards and touchdowns. I would think he ends up catching more passes than Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I think he's better than Tyreek Hill. Okay. All right. Uh, any final thoughts? All first rounders? Honestly, I think it's a, a, a tougher question. When you look at these guys, I don't know where you have cup ranked teeth comparatively. Obviously, the two younger guys are, are ahead, but um, you know, a lot of people doing we're we're doing a startup draft today. A lot of people still look at Cup as in a startup dynasty league, you know, as as a top three receiver. I don't know if he still qualifies based on being twenty nine. I've got him fourth, but just because there are so many guys who were in the top ten who've kind of not had a great offseason or fallen a little bit or or other things but the, the, like i've had chase ahead of jefferson and dynasty for most of the past six months and this most recent update is when i factor in this year's projections a little bit more and now jefferson's ahead just because he's projected for so many more points than chase all right thank you guys we got four episodes next week on monday lamb on Monday, we're finding value in early ADP. On Tuesday, who's going to regress to the mean? Looking at 2021 floor, uh, floors and ceilings and uh, what it means for 2022. Wednesday, we have an advanced stats 101 and a best ball explainer. And Thursday, we have a mailbag. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com is the email address. That's cbsi, the letter I. And Apple Podcasts is a great way to send in your questions. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast, and we will read your question 
uh, on the show. And it's not just a question. I would appreciate a nice review as well to let people, let people who don't listen to our show know what they're missing and why you like it. Now it's time for our news and notes. Tampa Bay head coach Todd Bowles would not put a timetable on Chris Godwin, and he said Godwin is not where he needs to be. He said he's getting better. Ugh. All right, so if you're drafting right now, where are you drafting Chris Godwin, Jamie? Round four. Heath? Yeah, three, four turn. Um, I mean, we're a long ways from him having to be where he needs to be. Right. Uh, the Bears are transitioning to a run-heavy team with the outside zone scheme. That's according to Adam Johns of The Athletic. David Montgomery, in his last seven games, he had 17 or more carries in six of them. He had 20 to 22 carries in each of his last three games. Uh, you think you can get even more than that, Heath? Uh, your reaction to this report from Adam Johns of The Athletic? I believe they're going to be a run-heavy team. I, I, I was on a podcast last night, and during the uh, show, we um, discovered... We were talking about whether Luke Getzey had ever called offensive plays before. And he was the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State in 2018. And then a couple of times at smaller colleges. That year at Mississippi State, the quarterback led the team by a long margin in rush attempts, ran for 1,100 yards and 13 touchdowns. <laughs> so they could be a run-heavy team. And Khalil Herbert and Justin Fields just get a lot more rush attempts than they did in the past. I think Montgomery is probably a similar rush volume blesture. Jamie, let's take a look at some reports coming out of Vikings camp. Herb Smith was running at almost full speed, according to Sam Ekstrom. And Chad Graff of The Athletic noted that Dalvin Cook's been lined up out wide a decent amount uh, in bunch formation with the wide receivers, I guess, in, in the OTAs. So reaction to the Vikings news? Uh, encouraging for Herb Smith. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be one of those tight ends that if you're inclined to take two, he should be on your list. And by the time we get to, you know, hopefully, you know, we – Two or week three, uh, he's a waiver wire priority because he's got you know tremendous upside as as the guy that I thought was a breakout candidate last year before his knee injury. Uh, I wouldn't read too much in the Dalvin Cook news. I'm sure they're just experimenting with different stuff. I'd be very surprised if he spends a lot of time lining up at wide receiver. The NFL has interviewed Deshaun Watson, and we could get a suspension announcement one way or the other fairly soon. So be on the lookout for a bonus podcast. The Colts signed Philip Lindsay. Who's the handcuff to Jonathan Taylor? I mean, Lindsey probably just based on how they, I wouldn't anticipate using him and Naheem Hines, but it, it would certainly be more of a committee. Um, but he's now the new Marlon Mack. So there, there's been a lot of talk, speaking of Naheem Hines, about how they want to use him more this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I spoke to their running backs coach and their office coordinator, and, and, and they have not shied away from that. And the Eagles signed James Bradbury to a one year deal, cornerback James Bradbury, former Giant. Panthers before that, and the deal could be worth up to $10 million. Are the Eagles the best team in the division? That's what I said last year, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> they look like it on paper. It's not going to be Dallas because no team ever repeats as champion in the NFC East. So it's, yes. Yeah, there's really no other option. <laughs> it's, <exactly. laughs> it's the Eagles. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they do look good. And this is a really nice addition to their secondary. Let's talk about Dynasty tight ends. Uh, a couple other things you missed. Uh, terrible missed. news about Tariq Cohen. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Suffering uh, the Achilles tear uh, or ruptured Achilles working out after coming back or trying to come back from the ACL tear. So just terrible news. Hopefully he's able to continue his career, but but clearly, you know, feel bad for a guy that uh, has gone through a lot. And then Mike McDaniel uh, indicated for the Dolphins' backfield that they are not going to rush Raheem Mostert back. So the signing of Sony Michelle 
I think right now, I haven't adjusted my rankings. I don't know what you're going to do, Keith, but I think if I'm drafting the Dolphins running backs right now, it's Edmonds one, Michelle two, and Mostert three, whereas, you know, Mostert's kind of been the number two de facto guy. Um, if he's still not ready and, and they're, they're going to take their time, you know, I think Michelle and Mostert, even though Mostert's got an edge knowing the system and the coach, um, you know, Sony Michelle showed he could still play last year and, and probably has the opportunity to get an early edge on, on Mostert and OTAs and, and, and all their offseason work. Okay, we're going to talk about dynasty tight ends in just a little bit. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, what has tra- changed since the NFL draft? Where are the rookies? We covered a little bit of this, but um, we'll get into it a little bit deeper here uh, right after this break on fantasy football today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Make sure you check out Heat's Dynasty rankings. Go to cbsportscom slash fantasy slash football, and there's a Dynasty Central link. We're actually doing a startup mock draft a one-quarterback startup mock draft today. We did a super flex one last week. Hope you have different people drafting this week, Heath. It was a little, uh, lots of different people drafting a, this week. A little clunky last week. I don't know what that was all about. It was one of our least efficient drafts, I think. Um, generally speaking, I don't know if Jamie feels this is true or not. The clunkiness almost always comes from CBS Sports employees. Absolutely. They very were really rarely <laughs> does the clunkiness come from any of our guests. They were very the, slow. the guest drafters after like the first round or two, because especially like this time of year, now our 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 stuff is all loaded into mm-hmm. our draft room, so it's much easier. But whenever we have guests that are coming into our draft room before this, you know, our projections and whatnot are loaded in there, or our rankings are loaded in there. To find players is a challenge. So um, till they figure it out, then then they are usually fine. But yes, it's definitely our. Our coworkers are the are the the uh, the, the common problem. Uh, and in fairness, like Dan wasn't here last week, so we didn't have him in the chat making fun of Adam or uh, <laughs> or picking quickly. I've actually Dave, I Dave been really curious for when we draft. Dave likes to update his rankings as he's making his decisions, <laughs> and really? it's a very very painful process. <laughs> well, just like I'll tell on Dave. Dave just missed the first two rounds of the draft last week. Yeah, what so was he that? Was yeah, that was the majority obvious. of the clunkiness. But yeah. you know, I think as you, I think that as the commissioner, you really don't have to wait. You just pick for him. 
Okay, because you kept you kept you were a little bit too lenient with the people who weren't making their picks. You should have just picked for them. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that's, that's considering just for, just for CBS employees, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're saying if I don't show up, he has to <laughs> he'll do the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of dynasty, here we go. Dynasty tight ends, Heath. And first question here: uh, Since the NFL draft, how much closer did Mark Andrews get to Kyle Pitts? With the Marquise Brown trade. I think the best way to describe it is he was closer to three. Like I thought, and then Pitts is still number one for sure. But Andrews was closer to three at the position for me. Um, and now he's closer to Pitts than he is to three. And I, I think like if you're competing to win a championship, there's an argument to be made that you could prefer Mark Andrews over Kyle Pitts right now. Um but it's it's a it's a pretty significant difference between Pitts and Andrews and anybody else because you've got kind of a couple of different groups. You've got the Kelsey Kittle Waller, which maybe they don't all deserve in the same group, but the guys who are league winners right now, and you've got the Hawkinson Schultz Goddard group who could be very good mid range number one tight ends, but aren't really even all that young anymore except for Hawkinson. And then you got a whole bunch of youth. So. How long can you expect them to be good? You've got Waller and Kittle approaching 30, you know, fairly soon. I think one's going to be 28, one's going to be 29 this year. I think one's going to be 29, one's going to be 30 this oh, year. Oh, one's going to be, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you got Andrews, who is younger, but what is he going to be, 26 this year? I just had this up. Yeah, actually. Andrews he'll be, he'll be is not someone who's getting any sort of discount for age. Andrews is going to be 27 in September. Uh, so what what age are you targeting here saying, okay, let's be buyer beware a little bit? Um, really, Kelsey's the only one. Because if Kelsey wasn't 32, he would be number one by a mile. And he's number three now. But he's I'm, I'm not discounting Hawkinson or Kittle yet because I don't want – or Kittle or Waller yet right. because I don't want to put those guys behind Dalton Schultz and Dallas Goddard and Cole Komet and Pat Fryermuth. I guess, are you just getting concerned about them? I would not want to have them on my roster if I don't think I'm one of the four best teams in the league this year. Okay, good way to put it. Jamie, what do you think about the rookies? Specifically McBride. Um, I think there's there's obviously a lot to like about where these guys could be, but it may not be until certainly next year where you feel comfortable about starting them. Uh, barring an injury, but you could see them becoming significant contributors right away. Uh, McBride and Dolchitz would be my two favorites. Mm. Um, uh, Jeremy Rucker from the Jets is very intriguing, but you know how soon does he get an opportunity? And will Zach Wilson still be the quarterback there when he does get an opportunity, especially if you ask Brady Quinn? Um, I think you know just looking at McBride in particular, um, the Absence of DeAndre Hopkins, I hope, will lead to a lot more two tight end sets for the Cardinals and him being the second tight end. And what I mean by that is they like Max Williams a lot as a blocker. And so, you know, how much will they rely on maybe Ertz? Because, we, you know, this happened to Ertz. Remember, um, Dallas Goddard, it was a slow burn, but it took, you know, the, the, the eventual thought was that he was going to take over for Ertz. And we certainly saw Ertz go from that record-breaking season, I think it was 2018, um, to start to fade a little bit, you know, and then he showed you could still play last year um, at a high level. So I hope that McBride 
joining the fold does not push Ertz more into a blocking role because he is a very good blocker. Uh, whereas, you know, Max Williams is more of just a strict, strictly a blocker. So we'll see what they do, uh, how creative they get, you know, with getting McBride on the field early. But I do think by next year, uh, you could see, you know, a McBride, a Dolchich, a Rucker, you know, those type of guys, you know, as, uh, and, and there's probably a few others that I'm missing out, but, you know, uh, as, as the, the, the guys that we're talking about is the next potential breakouts. Well, I think you just look like at the back end of the top 12 tight ends and even the fr- front end for some of these guys, but like, I think you should just expect with Trey McBride that you might not get anything out of him until year three in terms of starting fantasy production. And somebody had asked in the dynasty mailbag this week, should we even be drafting rookie tight ends? Because it seems like it takes three years and they're on somebody else's team before they're any good. Um, I still want to draft the elite tight ends, but I like it might be a Cole Komet situation for Trey McBride where it's it's three years before we're really talking about as somebody we really want to use in fantasy. Okay, finally, guys, you know, there's this big group of tight ends that Heath was just mentioning, front end of the top 12. But you look at number nine, Komet, all the way down to, say, uh, number 15, Albert O. And almost everyone there is 23, 24. Brevin Jordan's 22 right now. Mike Kosicki's the oldest one. He's 26. But these are guys who are entering their prime. Komet, Fryermuth, Fant, Herb Smith, Kosicki, Brevin Jordan, Albert O. David Njoku is a little bit older. He's 26, but he's a 16th in his rankings. If you look at that group, the one that you think would be the best buy low candidate, maybe someone that has the, the most potential to jump into the top five next year, uh, who would it be? I'm going to, I don't, I want to say commit, but there's ever since the Bears didn't make wide receiver a big priority, everyone's just kind of assuming he's number two on the team in targets and going to have the breakout. I think it might be Fant just because of the possibility that going into next year, DK Metcalf and Noah Fant could be the top two pass catchers on this offense, and they might have a new rookie quarterback who really inspires some confidence. So if if Fant could have just a borderline number one type season like he's done for most of his career, and then Lockett leaves and they draft a quarterback, Fant could really have some value going into next year and still just be 25 years old. Give me the list again. Komet, Fryermuth, Fant, Irv Smith, Gasicki, Brevin Jordan, Okuwebanam, Njoku. Yeah, I mean, Fryermuth is so interesting because, you know, they lose Juju, they lose Washington, you know, they bring in Pickens, they bring in um, Calvin Austin, you know, we'll see what, you know, those two youngsters provide, but, you know, we could see a, hopefully a target boost, you know, coming for Fryermuth with a new quarterback and Kenny Pickett and, you know, or, or Trubisky, uh, but, you know, there, there's, there's an opportunity there, you know, whereas, uh, as, as Heath has liked to joke, you know, the, the offense coordinator is now retired. Um, you know, so no more Roethlisberger calling plays and, and maybe there is a little bit more of a focus on the tight end and they get a little bit creative with their receivers and how they use, you know, Deontay Johnson and use Chase Claypool. So uh, I'll buy into Fryermuth as well. Is that your answer, though? You think he has the most upside, the best buy low in that group? No, I would say to say, I, I, I think it's hard to not look at Komet and say yeah. he has the most upside, but Fryermuth, I, I would think, is still two for me. Ready for some emails? Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. First, we'll do our Apple Podcast questions. If you have any questions on YouTube, I would wait. I'll, I guess let's get through the Apple Podcast and the emails, and then I'll, I'll give you a little shout-out on YouTube to get the questions in, and we'll do a little bit of your questions as well at the end. KoogFan121 is in a 12-team Superflex Dynasty League. The rookie draft is next week. He says, I traded Jalen Waddle for the what second— What do you think KoogFan means? 
Coog fan. Yeah, he's, yeah. Age is but a number. I traded Jalen Waddle for the second pick, needing running back help badly. And I also have pick five. So he has two and five. If I take Kenneth Walker at two, which receiver would you recommend at five? I was thinking Olave, but the Landry News has me wondering if I should go a different direction. Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, etc. So who would you pair with Kenneth Walker? You traded Jalen Waddle to get Kenneth Walker? Looks like it. We're not grading that trade, though, thankfully, right? <laughs> hey, that could be a good trade, right? I mean, it could be. Yeah, it could be. I would not give it a good grade right now. Okay. I, I think when you look at Alave, you know, if you're looking long-term, you can't worry about Jarvis Landry. You signed a one-year deal, you know, and so uh, Michael Thomas, also 29. You know, Alave could be the number one guy in that receiving core for, you know, 2023 and beyond and could be awesome. So if that's the guy you're targeting, he's in the right range. I, I don't know if I would take him maybe ahead of Jameson, you know, just because of what his, of Jameson Williams, what his upside could be. Um, but if you think you're win now, then you don't want to necessarily look at Jameson Williams and say he's the best bet. But, I mean, Garrett Wilson could be there at five for you. Right. Yeah, I, I just say, if, if assuming Hall's going one and you're taking Walker two, um, I would I would take, London, Wilson, or Burks, one of those three, whichever one falls. A quick thought here. I, if um, I think in a normal year, trading Jalen Waddle for the number two pick in a, in a rookie super flex draft is not bad. It's good value, but I don't know. Since the quarterbacks are so bad this year, it just didn't really work out. But, you know, not. I've a, already done one rookie super flex uh, dynasty draft, and one quarterback went in the first round. <laughs> wow. All right, from Danny Mac 25 Dynasty League, get J.K. Dobbins and Adam Thielen. Give Josh Palmer and a 2023 first-round pick. Get Dobbins and who? Dobbins and Thielen, give Palmer and a 2023 first-round pick. I'm giving it a round of applause. I like it. I guess unless the 2023 first-round pick is in the top five. It's a it's a runaway. Yeah, it's a a plus. Assuming that you're like I don't know why you'd be trading for J.K. Dobbins and Adam Thielen if you're not a good team. So right. a plus. It's gonna make you a lot better too. Yeah, in theory. Well, as we thought last year, those guys didn't play. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, time for emails now. Fantasy football at cbsi.com. This is from James. Can you guys make an argument for not going with two running backs? I'm hoping to get. Justin Jefferson, and then Jamar Chase with my first two picks. It's a 10-team league. Hopefully get a later pick and then get Justin and Jamar. Your thoughts? So you'd probably be getting those two guys and then some running backs in the range of maybe Barkley, Brees Hall, Zeke, Dobbins. Maybe maybe um, Montgomery. He's Maybe Montgomery, Akers. I yep. mean, 10-team league, it's much easier to do. Love it. Love it, love it. Okay, from Winston, do I trade for Cooper Cup, uh, giving up Jonathan Taylor? Wait, whoa. Do I do a trade for Cup for Jonathan Taylor and Derek Henry? It says Henry. Could be any Henry. Yeah, who who else could it be? I don't know, but I'd like it. Hunter more. Henry? Any could be Hunter Henry. Yes. Could be Hunter Henry. Henry Rowan Gardner? I'd still rather have Taylor. <laughs> Take the Taylor side. Okay. All right. This is from, You're not giving up Taylor and something to get anybody else. <laughs> right, right, right. Unless it's like seven players. 
This is from Kevin. Kevin says, Dear Austin, Mitch, Morgan, and Jack. You need to get the Oscars music as a drop so we could play it halfway through you reading this email. <laughs> I'm not going to read the whole thing. Okay. Uh, Austin, Mitch, Morgan, and Jack are Toronto Maple Leafs, according to Google. Okay. You should know that as a hockey buff now. Yeah. Are they in the playoffs still? No, they lost to the Lightning. Okay. Who are now up one nothing on my Panthers, and I don't have a good feeling about my Panthers. I do think. Is this the final? No, it's the sem. It's the conference semifinals. We've got a long way, long ways to go. Oh, they're okay. around the behind Florida, Florida, Florida division. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're around around behind you the NBA. Spent like two weeks in Florida and gone the entire series. What do you? Oh yeah, right. I could have driven back and forth to Tampa. Yeah. yeah. All right, here's the question. Uh, I've recently proposed this rule, which I've dubbed the taco rule in the leagues I commission. You only do it on Tuesdays? I don't know why it's called the taco rule. I'm wondering if this is a a league, the The league league reference. Yeah, that's my guess. Uh, Yeah, I think it's the league. Okay, no league vetoes. In their place, we implement the taco rule. Every trade that happens outside the rookie draft has a 24-hour window from the completion of the trade where either side can be countered by another member of the league. So let me explain. Team A trades Jonathan Taylor and Ingram to Team B for Jimmy Garoppolo and Brandon Ayuk. Under current rules, the league would be up in arms and a huge debate would ensue with a lot of bad feelings. But under the proposed taco rule, any other team could negotiate for the Jonathan Taylor and Mark Ingram package. Team A can't add anything to the deal, but teams C through Z who thought the value was too low have the opportunity to put their money where their mouth is. There cannot be a chain of counters. Let's say team A and C agree to counter the deal to a counter to the, uh, to, okay, they agree to a new deal to keep uh, from having an open market on all players. The deal stands uh, so long as there's no collusion. So, and the commissioner retains the right to veto any trade if collusion is found and confirmed. So basically right, so two teams two agreed team- on a crappy trade. Yeah. Yeah. And the league goes up in arms about it. Mm-hmm. Keith cannot propose a different trade offer. Right, it's the same. But I terms. can make a different trade with you, Adam. That we can then mutually agree on. Yeah, I get to accept my favorite trade. The the rest of the league gets to make another offer. I I kind of like it. But I just think that if, Heath should be able to make another offer once his offer is bested. Heath should then be able to say, "Okay, I'm coming back with this." So what if? And this is hard to prove, but like, what if the 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 proposed trade of Garoppolo and Ayuk for Taylor and I forget who else it was. Um, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. Uh, what if that was done as some sort of collusion? Like, hey, I can't give you what you want for Taylor, but maybe somebody else can. So I'm going to make you just a terrible trade offer. Right, right. Yeah, that. that's why, well, I don't want to play that game because if it's collusion, then it sucks. But let's just well, say everybody has good intentions. Like, take collusion out for a second. I think that's a good point, and it would, would almost certainly happen. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> like if someone has already agreed to accept Garoppolo and Ayuk for Jonathan Taylor, why do we have any faith that they are now going to choose the best offer they get when they receive multiple offers? They've already shown they do not have good judgment. Well, like somebody might offer them a better deal and they're like, yeah, yeah they'll, they'll take a how better about deal. We, 
keep the rules the same and just go eat tacos. <laughs> I like the rule a little bit. I just think that it's not fair. What do you like about it? Just make a fair trade. <laughs> I mean, it's so stupid. Because it's fun. It's you know, look, I, I wouldn't do it in my league, but I think it's fun if you guys are into it. But I think if there's one change that needs to be made, it's that the original team that's that's getting screwed needs to be able to make a counteroffer. Otherwise, otherwise, what incentive do you have to start trade negotiations? You're well, almost the, always going to lose. The terrible trade was the Taylor side offering it. Well, I think you can counter either side, right? No, but let's let's just say that's a good point. <laughs> so the the Taylor manager is the one that offered the trade to the Garoppolo manager. So now that the league is saying, okay, no, this league is this this deal is not fair because Taylor is worth much more. Why is the person that accepted the trade offer now frozen out of it? No, you're not. You're either side it can be countered. Either side can be countered. No, you said no. No, I didn't say that. Either side can be countered. Either side of the trade can be countered. What can't happen is the original offer, the people, the two owners involved or managers involved, the original offer, right now they can't make another offer if their offer is is beaten by okay, a different so owner. They can, should be able to. Okay, so we're all assuming that everybody's now trying to make trades to acquire Taylor. Right. Can you make two trade offers? So, like, you two guys made this terrible trade. Mm-hmm. The league vetoes it. Can I now offer a trade to you for Taylor and then a trade to Heath for Garoppolo if I want to try and acquire both sides? Yes, you can. Mm. This is so complicated. <laughs> Why are you complicating things? I don't mind it, but I And then I the think commissioner can still veto it on top of it? If there's collusion, only in collusion. How do they get a term of collusion? Uh, you know, you know it when you see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Cooper's email, know. the one that I touted earlier. I need to see what the burrito rule is. Cooper said that you're all too low on Rashad Penny. He goes on to lay out how great his numbers were, how Pete Carroll loves him. Quote, I'm really excited about Rashad coming back. The way he played at the end of the football season last year jumped just jumped off the film. I don't know how we were able to get him back. Maybe because of his history, but he was one of the best players in the league. Nobody else wanted him. Yeah. All right, wait. Okay, first off, you said this was a really good email from Cooper, and I'm looking at it, and there's lots of numbers and stuff. Let's not lead with Pete Carroll talking positively about someone. I know. That means nothing. But I already gave you the lead. The lead is Rashad Penny, anytime he's had work, he's been awesome. And um, Yeah. So I, I see a couple of what if Penny is Nick Chubb and Ken Walker is Kareem Hunt, or what if Penny is Derrick Henry, and like – those offenses are good. Yeah. This is not probably going to be a good offense. The, the, thing, good. the thing for me with Penny is how many games are going to play? You know, you, you can tell me Ken Walker is going to be awesome. If Rashad Penny plays the majority of the season, he's going to be the lead running back. I, I, I would be very surprised if he's not the lead guy. It, it'll probably be like a 55-45 split, a 60-40 split. They'll be very close. Uh, but I think if Penny's healthy, he's going to lead the team in carries. Uh, okay, that that's a I think a pretty hot take. Personally, well, I, I, mean, I don't know that people see it that way. I don't have it ranked that way because I don't expect Penny to play the majority of the season. I mean, we're just we have to go based on what his track record is. Just because he had a strong finish and got a a, a little bit of a reward for it. I mean, it's not like he got a long term deal. Yeah, he got a short term deal to stay in Seattle. I mean, that like Pete Carroll said, I don't know how we kept him. Well, I mean, who's going to pay a guy that can't stay on the field? I, I'm just saying, I, I think people feel like Ken Walker walks in and he's a starting running back. No, I don't think he walks in as a starting running back. I think it's going to be something that, you know, Ken Walker has to earn and Penny has to probably miss time. 
And there's also the Chris Carson factor as well, which is still looming out there until they you know decide to cut him or put him on the pup list for the season or IR, however they handle it. Um, but I mean, Penny's career is an injury. It it sucks because you see the upside. I mean, he was Barry Sanders last year at the end of the season. Yeah. You know, it's hard to overlook what he could be. I mean, we've been waiting for it for four years, but you know, three plus injury seasons, and they just drafted another guy despite paying him. You know, as as Heath said, I don't care what Pete Carroll says. Their actions speak louder than what, what he says. Mm-hmm. And so they would love a one-two punch. They would love for Rashad Penny, I'm sure, to build off what he did last year. He was amazing. But how can you trust that? Yeah, I think his upside is leading a committee without the passing downs work. And there's obviously significant risk that he could either get hurt or lose his job to Walker or the offense is so bad that we don't care. Okay. And it was as he, you know, said, this was a Russell Wilson led offense that he was, you know, running behind last year. This Drew Locker, Geno Smith, I mean, how many touchdown opportunities is he going to have? How good could this team potentially be? I mean, you know, th- this could be an absolute disaster. Next email is from Kevin. Hey, Barkley, Connor, Mostert, and Sanders. Put penny. Injury prone running backs. Yeah, I put penny on there too. Injury prone running backs. Uh, so Kevin has an in- issue with uh, injury talk. I've noticed that potential injuries are consistently brought up, and it feels like an unnecessary caveat a lot of the time. Clearly, injuries are common occurrence in this violent sport, but I'm not sure how much it adds to the analysis to mention the fact that a player could get injured. This is especially the case when calling a player injury prone, since this this is mostly just an award given to players who have been unlucky recently. For example, people called Matthew Stafford, Frank Gore, and Keenan Allen injury prone. Without some means of quantifying likelihood, we're really just playing pin the tail on the donkey. What do you think? Are we, are we, you know, factoring in injuries too much? I mean, the 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 position you have to factor in the most clearly is running back. And you know, how much has a guy missed time over X amount of period of time? You know, so for Penny, there's clearly a track record of missing significant time due to injury. You know, the ones that we're going to probably dissect a lot are McCaffrey and Barkley. And, you know, I don't know how many people are going to really, you know, be concerned about Mostert at this point. But, um, you know, McCaffrey, how much of that was fluky? Mm -hmm. You know, shoulder, ankle, hamstring. You know, it's not like he tore his ACL. It's not like he's had these significant injuries, whereas Barkley has. You know, Barkley's had the high ankle sprain that, you know, forced him to miss six games. He had the, the ACL tear, you know, and so... It's not always just the injury. It's also the the recovery from the injury. And when is the player back to being them, their full selves? You know, we, we got spoiled with Adrian Peterson that year that he comes back from a torn ACL in less than, you know, eight months, whatever it was, less than a year. And he runs for 2,000 yards. You know, players just don't do that. You know, Cam Akers is an outlier coming back from the Achilles injury and getting all the work that he did. You know, so uh, I agree. I don't think it's fair to necessarily, you know, look at these guys and say injury prone um, and say that they're always going to be injured. But some guys, unfortunately, that's just been the nature of their careers. You know, Rashad Penny being, you know, kind of the poster child for that. You know, Will Fuller being, you know, the poster child for that. You know, these guys just don't stay healthy for whatever the case may be. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with the idea that, like, most, most players were, may over overemphasize injuries. But there are certain guys. Like, I think Jamie, when he said, was Christian McCaffrey just been a little bit unlucky? Maybe. Keenan Allen was early in his career. Um but Mostert, Penny, Will Fuller, there are certain guys who have earned that that you just have to discuss it when discussing their value because if we thought that those guys were going to play 17 games, we would have to rank them a lot higher. Right. Yeah, it's also, I think, you know, how you draft. You know, so 
I did this most recent magazine draft and, you know, I posted the, my team and the, the common, you know, detractor to it was these guys are always injured. It was McCaffrey. It was Godwin, you know, who's coming off really his first significant injury or, you know, dealing with his first significant injury. Um, trying to think what else I have on that team. Those are the two that stood out. Uh, all right, Juju, you know, another guy that, that seems to be getting an injury prone label. Um, so, you know, if you draft for what the most upside can be, you're going to take these guys. If you draft because you don't want to deal with it, you're going to avoid them. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty simple. You know, if, if you are risk averse, which a lot of people have a lot of success doing that, I'm not taking McCaffrey in the first five picks. I'm not taking, you know, Chris Godwin, like, you know, Adam, I, I know, I don't think you're going to take him around two anymore, but you know, you may buy into round three. Like I said, round four, he said the three, four turn, you know, you're going to take guys that are coming off of injuries with the upside of what they can be, you know, taking Michael Thomas because of the upside of what he can be, you know, th those are the players that are league winners, but you know, you have to factor in age with some of them. You have to factor in circumstances with, with some of them. But if Barkley plays 17 games, I don't care how bad the giants are. I think he still has top 10 upside because of what I've seen from him. But most people are going to say, I'm not taking Saquon Barkley because the last two years he's been a disaster. Christian McCaffrey the last two years has been a disaster. Michael Thomas has been a disaster. I get it. But I think if you're drafting to, maximize your roster, you're still buying into these guys because of what they can still do. Next email is about Will Fuller. <laughs> it's uh, from Mike S. in a town 150 miles away from Adam's house in Sleepy Hollow. I'll put it in ways. Uh, he says, hey, Smith, Farrell, and Grace, and those are Wills. With teams like the Falcons and the Bears very obviously scraping the bottom of the barrel to find wide receivers, why has no one signed and why is no one even talking about Will Fuller? It's a good point. I'd like to see him end up somewhere. I hope he does. There's a little talk. I, I wonder if it's just like he's in a situation kind of like Juju where, man, you got to do something this year. You might, you're probably not getting more than a one-year deal, and it's going to be a prove-it deal, and so he may be holding out for the perfect situation. Yeah, you know, we don't we don't know any contracts that have been offered to him. And he said, you know, no, I'm, I'll, I'll wait out until there's an injury in training camp. I'll wait out until there's an injury in the season. Um, he still has something that, you know, it's hard to replicate, which is speed, you know, as long as he can still run. Um, you've heard the the Browns rumors, you know, and, and th they still may decide to, you know, do that. And it might be a situation where they're waiting to find out the Deshaun Watson is because why waste six weeks of Will Fuller if they don't have to pay him and maybe sign him after week one when his contract's not guaranteed. So who knows? Um, I think if you have him in, I haven't won Dynasty League. You know, he's, he's certainly a hold. Um, you know, I don't know how many people are actually actively shopping to acquire him. But, you know, if you want to get ahead of it, put in a cheap offer, you know, a, a, a third, fourth round rookie only pick and see if, you know, some managers want to bite because they're in a rebuild mode. And, and maybe you get a, you know, a number two, number three receiver out of if he ends up in the right situation. Next email is from Tyrell in the fastest growing city in Idaho. I have no idea. Dear John, Hans, Carl, and Argyle. Those are elves. I have the second overall pick, and <laughs> Brees Hall is going first. <laughs> I could take Drake London, but I already have Pitts. I could take Garrett Wilson, but I already have Elijah Moore. What would you do with the second pick? He has A.J. Brown, McLaurin, D.J. Moore, Elijah Moore, Sutton, and Gallup. Very good wide receivers. He has Swift, Javante Williams, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Ramondre Stevenson, Daryl Henderson. So would you go with a wide receiver or Ken Walker at number two? And he already has Pitts and Moore, so he's a little hesitant on London and Garrett Wilson. But what would you guys do? 
you always go Traylon Burks? Um, I, yeah, I, London is my second ranked player, but I don't feel strongly really in the order of two through six. So I would be seeing if I could move back and acquire some 2023 draft capital. Smart. Or even 2022 idea. capital as well, if you can. Right. This is from Sergio. 10-team, full PPR, super flex. I'm keeping Herbert with pick 1.9. Keeping Eckler at 4.2. I need help with one more keeper. Mike Williams in the 12th. Marquise Brown in the 12th. Or Devin Singletary in the 13th. And he says, let's go Heat. Oh, not uh, answering your question. Don't <laughs> <laughs> worry, you got Marcus Smart back. Um, Marquise Brown. Um, I'm going to go Mike Williams. I've got him just ahead of Marquise. What percentage of games, if they end if NBA playoff games, if I told you X percent of games have finished with double digit uh, outcomes, you know, double digit final score differences, you know what I'm saying? Decided by double digits. What would be like, oh, well, that's bad. 30%? More than half. Of the entire playoffs? Yeah, yeah. Because it feels like more than half. It's just been hot garbage every night. Man, I just don't think that's true. <laughs> it is. Sucks. I mean, you're in this little Celtics I mean, world there, there, where everything's there's, peachy. There, there's clearly been a, a lot of that. There's also been some great theater. You know, um, Heath might be a little biased because he just watched Tatum versus Giannis for seven games, which was amazing. Um, you know, Luca against the Suns prior to game seven was amazing, you know, and just taking on that team essentially by himself. So I don't know. I to mean, be fair, uh, I, I turn on the game, I see the score and I go, oh, this game sucked. <laughs> so it's not yeah, like, but, you know, uh, it's not like I'm following it. I, I admittedly fell asleep, um, at halftime of the game last night. And so I missed the third quarter by the time I woke up. And the game was out of hand at that point. But when I think when I started to doze off, it was like a 35-33 game. Yeah, that doesn't count. Like it's got to be good for more than more than 70 points. No, but uh, you know, it's like combined points. Dal- Dallas was running on steam yesterday. Again, you know, traveling after playing a game seven to have to go to arrest the Golden State team. You know, the fact that they didn't get slaughtered in the first quarter, I thought, okay, they'll make a game of it because they're the best player in the series. Well, they didn't. Because the I will say that every suck. game of the Dallas Utah series was within ten points. Well, good, okay. I mean, it's and that Memphis Minnesota series was awesome. Yeah, Memphis that was a very good series. Uh, hockey's been better though. Okay, so let's read some YouTube questions. YouTubers, go! I got about five minutes to answer your questions. Let's think. There was a question about Austin Hooper. It's a good question. You think he can get back to his Falcons production? Austin Hooper with the Titans. Uh, yes, but you don't have to draft him that way. From Scott, do you think David Njoku could be a back-end top 12 tight end this year? Yes, but again, how many games? It's not because of Jacoby Brissett. How many games is Deshaun Watson missing? Okay, looking for more questions. They're filing in. NBA playoffs are terrible. What else can I talk about right now? Been watching Kids in the Hall. Did you guys ever watch Kids in the Hall? No. Did you guys finish Ozark yet? No, no. What? I know it's horrible. It's we have no time to watch. It really stinks. Yeah. Don't watch Kids in the Hall. Yeah. Kids in the Hall is twenty five minutes, and I can watch it by myself. I have to watch Ozark with my wife, and that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. You haven't finished it either. 
I've got to watch it with my wife. Right. I think I have three episodes left. I think I've watched like three whole series during the period of no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, Ten-team, one-quarterback dynasty league. I have Waller and Adams with Godwin, Higgins, McLaurin, and Gabe Davis. So he's Waller, Adams, Godwin, Higgins, McLaurin, Gabe Davis. Very good. I also have pick 105, and I have Devontae Adams on the block. He says thoughts. I don't know what that means. Like just thoughts with 105. Um, I guess the question would be is it's a 10-team league. So the fact that you have two picks in the top 10, I would probably hold on to Adams unless you're getting something just overwhelming because this feels like a contending team, not knowing your running backs. You have, you know, top five tight end. You have, you know, clearly a very good receiving core once Godwin's back. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're trying to, you know, package Adams and maybe one of those picks to move up and get something else in return. I don't know. I would probably just hold on to him. Yeah, if you don't have any running backs or quarterbacks, which you traded Jalen Hurts last year, so you should, um, and you're trading Adams, then you should be trading Waller too. But I agree with Jamie. The wide receivers and tight end look like a contending team. Are you buying a Zeke bounce back from Jeff? We had a good discussion about him on our last podcast. Are you buying a Zeke bounce back? I think if you're buying him at the right price, yes. If you're buying him to you know produce as a top 10 running back and you have to pay that cost, then no. It's like Allen Robinson. I think he's going to bounce back a little bit from the end of last year, but not to where he was in the past. I've got him at RB16 now. Does DeAndre Swift have top five upside from Joe? Upside, sure. Where do you, from John, where do you draft Alvin Kamara in a dynasty league right now? Round two. Yeah, I've got him at uh, round three. Last question from Matthew. PPR, Superflex, Dynasty, what wide receiver can I get for Chase Claypool and Jerry Judy? I mean, Judy's probably all over the map. Claypool, probably not so much. But, you know, Judy, if you're expecting him to have this monster breakout campaign or at least a moderate breakout campaign, but you're not sold on that, then I don't know. I think you may be looking at Marquise Brown and something. Um, That's low. No, yeah, I think you ought to be able to get, like, I mean, if you're trying to get a you know win now player like Devonte Adams, might be able to yeah. pull that off. Diggs or Adams. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right, guys. But thank the, you. Both those guys, their values could be anywhere right now, so it'd be tough to trade both. Judy's probably. the one that should still command something, but again, yeah, it's yeah. just a matter of you know who you're trading to. Okay. Have a great weekend, everyone. We will talk to you on Monday with an early ADP review. I don't know what's worse. You not watching, you two not watching Ozark yet, or Dave not watching Taken. I've watched uh, Dave. I think I'm on episode 12. Yeah, me too. 13. Oh. I just finished 12. Okay, I just finished 11. So you have three left and you have two left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I mean, when Marty dies, you guys are going to finish. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, and then, you know, just why would you say that? Because now I don't think he's going to die. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, we will talk to you on Monday on Fantasy Football today. And the cartel beheads it. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs>
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.